My mother, before she had me, uh, was an English and foreign language teacher by trade, and she has a great way with the written word that I have very gratefully inherited. And one skill that has sort of come from that is the skill of wordsmithing. Uh, for those of you who don't know what wordsmithing is, it's the ability to maybe bend and twist words a little bit, to use some euphemisms, to change the tenor and the tone of the words without changing the content. It's mainly for trying to get what I want and having things kind of go over a little bit easier than what the blunt force trauma of the words might otherwise do. And one instance in particular in my life where I was grateful for my skill of wordsmithing was one of my summers in seminary. I spent a summer in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, there was a summer institute there for priestly formation, and I wanted to take a weekend and go visit a friend in Memphis who was getting ordained. The problem was this program was notorious for not really letting guys leave. It was well-intentioned, wanting to build community around the place, but they really wouldn't let guys leave unless you had your bishop's permission or the permission of your vocation director back home. And I wasn't going to bother the bishop with me asking for permission, so I went to my vocation director at the time, Father Chris Martin, and I asked him, can you please give me permission to go to Memphis for an ordination? And he replied, I'll give you permission to ask. And I said, darn it, that doesn't help me. It doesn't help me at all. So I decided, how, how, can, I, how can I wordsmith this? A little bit better. So I wrote to the director of the program in Omaha and I said, my vocation director has given me his blessing in this endeavor. We just wanted to make sure it was okay with you before I proceeded and bought tickets. I got to go to Memphis for the weekend. I love wordsmithing. It, it's fun. I, I enjoy doing it. It, it. it requires a little bit of skill. And I think the question that Jesus poses to his apostles this weekend is a very easy one for us to wordsmith nowadays. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It's a very easy one to try to dance around and try to walk a very tight line Right? Not wanting to offend anyone, not wanting to say anything definitive. But I think this question demands a definitive answer. It demands an emphatic answer, not just from Peter and the other disciples, but from all of us. Because the answer to that question, who Jesus is, it determines everything for all of us. The whole gospel hinges on this point. The entirety of the Christian faith hinges on this point, Jesus' identity. Who do we say that Jesus is? Because he consistently speaks and acts in the very person of God. And so the gospel hinges on our answer to this very question. But I think, though, that this, the answer to this question is fundamentally rooted in how we see the world in how we see the world. Because think about it, you have a million different worldviews nowadays, you'll get a million different answers to that question, who do you say that I am? We can see maybe that the dominant worldview today uh, is not through the lens of Christ. It's this belief that the physical world is all that there is. There's nothing beyond what we can see with our eyes. And the key to our, our happiness is unfettered freedom and self-actualization. And anything getting in the way of that is oppressive and unjust. 
So when the tenets of the gospel would butt heads with our idea of what we want to do with our lives, it's very easy to see God as a barrier to our freedom and happiness. And to, and to admit that Jesus is God, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, to admit that would be to impose rules on us that would seemingly not be for our good. And so it's quite easy to understand how so many people nowadays would respond to this question, who do you say that I am, with just something like, oh, you know, Jesus was a nice guy, he was a good moral leader. There's a healthy respect for him and his teachings, but it keeps, us, it keeps him maybe on the sidelines, just enough so that he doesn't get in our way. That is so true for so many people. In stark contrast, brothers and sisters, if we see things in a Catholic lens, it begins with the fact that we have been created by God with a profound purpose. That we've been born into a reality that is both visible and invisible, and that really the invisible is far greater than the visible with what we can see with our eyes. That we are created for a magnificent destiny, a life spent with God. And yet we as human beings, of course, have dealt ourselves a mortal wound by turning away from him. But in an act of generosity, our God became one of us and died for us. And our calling in life is to participate in this great work of God. If that is how we see the world, then our answer to the question, who do you say that I am, will be far different than just saying that Jesus is a nice guy. And so I would argue, brothers and sisters, that it is of urgent importance that we see the world in this light because it sets the course for our entire life. This question in the gospel today compels a choice. Jesus compels a choice that no other religious founder compels. Either you, we are with him or we are against him. Because if Jesus is who he says he is, then we have to give our entire lives to him. No other way around it. If he is who he says he is, it demands our entire life and our entire being. Now, consequently, if Jesus is not who he says he is, he, he's dangerous, he's a lunatic of a man. That's the choice that this question compels for us. That we often want to wordsmith our way around. Again, we, we, we really shouldn't wordsmith our answer to that question of who is Jesus. We also can't wordsmith our lives as well. Because so often we follow Jesus half-heartedly, halfway, not fully, trying to maybe have one foot in both worlds, so to speak, maybe trying to have our cake and eat it too, and to try to follow Jesus and appease the world around us, striving to follow our Lord and still gain the respectability of polite society. And this is difficult, sure, because Jesus will occasionally ask us to do things that we don't necessarily want to do in the moment. And to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and the living God would compel us to set aside the ways that we had been doing things and embrace what Christ wants for us instead. It would compel us to die to self, to our own way of doing things, changing how we live our lives and the things in our lives that don't conform to his teachings. Everything from how we spend our weekends, what we watch on TV, or how we live out our vocations. And we often want to take a wordsmithed political answer that walks a tightrope. But the gospel demands an emphatic 
answer. It demands something far more than just wordsmithing. It demands our entire life. So today, brothers and sisters, let us be bold, adamant, and firm like Simon Peter. Proclaim to our world that Jesus is the Christ and that he is living and active in our lives. And pray that we might choose Jesus as the anchor of our lives and follow him unreservedly.